Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Sunday morning and we're thankful for each one that is here. And Lord, we're asking that you would accept our worship of songs, the special music. Lord, I am asking that you would use the preaching of this morning to challenge and strengthen us and encourage us to not only know what the Bible says, but to live it each and every day. Lord, we pray that you would bless each part of this service. And Lord, that none of us would neglect what is rightfully yours. When the time of invitation comes, that we would surrender to the Holy Spirit of God that which is his right. Lord, our hearts and our service. We ask that our worship would be real and would be reflected in the way we live through this coming week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And a beautiful, beautiful song. And we'll have the children dismissed at this time. It's one of those times where my wife and I actually worked together. I developed a sermon and she wrote a song, but I'm not going to preach that sermon today. Uh, Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, the last few verses, uh, we are very familiar with this passage. If you're familiar with the Bible at all, it is called the Great Commission. Jesus uh, gave it different ways in different Gospels, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. In Matthew, I'd like to start reading in verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And all God's people said, okay, at least a few of you are awake this morning. And uh, we have a duty here. This is the command of Jesus to his church. Uh, When we were on deputation many years ago, I said, the Lord has sent us to New York City to start a church. We, We have a very narrow focus. The only problem is we started a church. And see, a church cannot have. A narrow focus. Because if the church is going to do what church is supposed to do, we've got to go ye into all the world. Can we say amen to that? And uh, we believe in missions giving at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. I am so glad to be able to say that with all confidence. I know because... We write the, uh, uh, I print the checks every month that go out to the missionaries. And, and, and there's a lot of them. And, uh, and it is amazing what the Lord has done over the years. And 
one of the greatest blessings that our church has ever been blessed with was when we celebrated our 20th anniversary. I could report to our church that we gave as much back to missions as was raised to help us buy the building, as all of the funds that were given to support us those years, we had repaid that debt. And uh, I'll tell you, now we have interest. And so don't slow down. Now is the time to really start putting forth that effort. And yet I want to challenge you that as much as we do to reach other places, we, we need to put forth some real effort right here at home. And that's not something that someone else does. That's something that each one of us sitting here and, and those of us that are away on vacation and things, you never get a break from being a Christian. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, you don't need a break from serving the Lord. Uh, that is the solution. Uh, serving the Lord is the answer to the problems that we have. And, and I just want to remind our members there, I don't want a show of hands this morning, but uh, several months ago, uh, I, I preached a sermon, and uh, actually early in this year, and I asked in the time of invitation for those of us who would pray seriously, specifically, that God would give one soul for you, for me, for us as individuals to bring into the fellowship of the church this year. Now, August, almost gone. That gives us September, October, November, and December. Uh, we got four months left. And uh, I, I'm working on a fellow uh, praying. He made a profession of faith last week. Praise the Lord for that. But he's in rehab. He's got to have surgery. If everything goes perfect, the earliest he'll be back with us is the middle of October. Uh, you, you pray that, that God would do that. But I want to tell you something. I've been witnessing to that fellow for over 20 years. Now, you're not going to get 20 years of witnessing in, in the next four months. And we we need to pray as a church. We need to... I believe God wants to do some things here. And, and, and we, can, uh, we can look at some of the difficulties that we've had and say, well, there, there are reasons. But, you know, that's really not what I think the Lord wants us to spend our time doing. Uh, the Lord has a forward look. Amen. He has something that he wants us to do. And this morning, I, I would just like to try to encourage myself as well as you in this thing of witnessing in carrying out the Great Commission. 
Uh, I'm not going to spend much time talking about missions giving except for just saying this. Whatever you're doing, don't slow down. Uh, this is uh, primarily, usually, we have uh, June and August are the two worst months in our, uh, in our average year on missions giving. And, and so, please, make sure. That, that you continue giving what you promised the Lord that you would. And, and if you hadn't promised the Lord, you can give something anyway. Amen? And, and encourage you in, in supporting our missionaries because really that is the only way we can go into all the world. I mean, yeah, all the world is in our neighborhood. There's no, no doubt about that. Astoria is one of the most ethnically diverse neighborhoods in all of the world. National Geographic Society recognizes our neighborhood as one of the most diverse neighborhoods on the face of the earth. And uh, praise the Lord. But I, I can't go to Africa, but we support missionaries there and I can help them. I can't go to Siberia with Brother Lucas. Uh, if there's any place I'd like to visit, just, just visit to see how, how, what it's like. Is I'd like to see Siberia in the dead of the winter. But not for very long. My wife said, I'm not going. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, uh, that negative 40 below zero and dark all day. I mean, that just kind of intrigues me for some strange reason. But... Uh, I can't go there. I can't live there. I can't help Brother Lucas. That's where God has put him. And so we're part of the reason he's able to stay there. Amen. But God wants us to talk to others as we have opportunity, as we live. And one of the things that we need to do is ask God to give us more opportunities witness. You're never going to find that person if you don't talk to anybody. And how hard is it to really talk to people in New York City? I mean, everybody's got their earbuds in and everybody's got their or their headphones on. Or, uh, and, uh, and, and those that aren't are totally distracted. I was uh, uh, driving over to Greenpoint yesterday morning and there was a line of cars crossing Greenpoint Avenue. I mean, all the way back to Manhattan Avenue there, the next block. And people were behind me. I could see them in the rearview mirror. They had those uh, junky little imitation sports cars. And they were pulling out into the oncoming traffic, trying to see if they could zip up the wrong way and get ahead of the traffic congestion. And I mean, they're just part of me like to slow them down a little bit, but that's against the law. So I just sat in my car and then the next thing I know, this lady is looking in her purse and she is walking green light. The cars are finally moving and she is just walking right in front, not paying any attention. There is nobody on the road except her. I'll tell you, it's a good thing I've got good brakes and was paying attention, or she wouldn't be here today. 
We, we live in a world where nobody cares about anything but themselves. Now, how are we going to talk to people like that about the gospel? Well, first, you've got to get over your outrage at their stupidity and how they cross the street. Amen. Uh, but after that, you, you've got to be able to talk to people. And so, I, I want you to understand something. And you, I, I don't think that this would uh, be anything that anybody doesn't already know. In fact, if you're thinking about where I might be going in this sermon, you know the first place I'm going is if we're going to talk to other people about Jesus, you're going to have to use this book. There are no other ways to tell people about Jesus except for using the Word of God. Can we say amen to that? I mean, that's why we spend so much time preaching about the Bible and so much time encouraging you in your Bible reading schedules. And and by the way, if you've kept up with your Bible reading schedules, don't pat yourself on the back. That's minimum daily requirement. We, We ought to be doing more than just this. But you know what? Most of us struggle just to keep up with this. Now, don't we? You can go up and... If you can't be honest in church, where are you going to be honest? The problem is some people have given up on this. And that's one of the things the invitation is for at the end of the service, is to repent. And to say, Lord, I'm going to start today. And if you've lost your Bible reading schedule by accidentally letting it be carried out with the newspapers and stuff, see, Brother Andrew, we got more. We'll give you another one. Start somewhere. But this ought to be the minimum. Because if you do not know the Word of God, if you are not familiar with your Bible, how are you going to share the Bible with someone else? And so let's just look at a few verses this morning. Would you turn with me, prepare. We are not going to stick with just one text this morning. I think I have about 25 or 30 references here that I would like for us to look at. And so I want you to limber up your fingers and and, uh, uh, let's just start turning the pages of our Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1. It says in verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Now, sometimes I feel like I've got to address uh, the extremes of the pendulum There are those that would try to win somebody to the Lord and not even use the Bible. But uh, there are those that say, if you're not saved out of a King James Bible, you're not saved. I'm, I'm happy to tell you there's enough gospel in an NIV to lead someone to the Lord. But it's just like food in New York City. We throw away enough food in New York City to feed half the world. I'm just 
glad I can stand before you and say, I've never been hungry enough to go into the garbage can looking for it. I'm thankful for that. And that's the way I feel about other versions. I'm just thankful that I've never had to go into the garbage can to share someone the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got my good old-fashioned King James Bible, and we can use it. And people say, well, Pastor, English isn't my first language. It's hard to understand. Yes, and I understand that. The English in this Bible is not my first language, by the way. You have to spend some time. But let me ask you, isn't God's Word worth the time invested? Hello? Wouldn't, wouldn't you rather ask God to raise the level of your understanding to His Word than take a dumbed-down version to the level of your understanding? People get saved by sharing the Word of God. You have friends and family that won't listen. If nothing else, write out a Scripture verse and just leave it in the house for them to pick up and read. They won't tell you, but they'll do it. You, you can't resist reading the Word of God. I mean, it's just there. That's why we give out John and Romans. Because those are the verses that will do the most good to the unregenerate heart and teach them about Jesus. And they're marked editions that people can follow. Just And, and don't try to... Uh, 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 conjole or, or trick someone. Just say, listen, this is just John and Romans from the Bible. I know you don't want the Bible. Would you just at least look at these two books? You know, sometimes in, in the real world, people make decisions based on untruth. Have you ever had that happen to you? This is the best Car money can buy. Liar. You found that out shortly after you bought one. Or a computer or whatever there was. I, I remember uh, many years ago, Apple claimed that they had the first desktop, a laptop computer with desktop power. It was the 5300. I got one. Eleven motherboards, three displays, two hard, Apple finally sent me another computer, brand new, next level up, uh, after I complained about 25 repairs in the first uh, 12 or 14 months I had the thing. It was crazy. You know what? I believed the advertising. I don't believe it anymore. Uh, I, I've learned. But how many people reject this book called the Bible based on something that never was in the Bible. There's something that the Bible doesn't say. Something somebody said was in the Bible, but isn't even in there. Okay, you are born again, not of corruptible seed, not of anything you can do, not of the church, not of the effort of man. But of the Word of God, this book is alive. I like the way my pastor, Roy Thompson, said it. 
He said, Jesus is the living word and this book is the written word and you cannot separate the two. Can we say amen to that? How many of you know Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9? How many of you have those verses memorized? Raise your hands. Let's say it out loud. Here we go. For by grace are ye saved through faith. Oh, okay, let's try that again. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen? Two things. You need grace, and what appropriates God's grace to your life? Faith. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto whom? All men. Now that grace of God does not take the appearance that we might like. It doesn't make you feel warm and ushy-gushy inside. Read the next verse. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly. You know what the grace of God is? The grace of God makes you feel guilty when you've sinned. How many of you can remember before you were saved that knowing that you were doing something wrong, that pulling in your heart, that's the grace of God. It's the grace that will bring you to God to accept His grace to live for every day. Amen? That's what the Bible means in grace for grace. We don't have time this morning, but... So how do I get faith, everybody? Faith cometh by and hearing by the Word of God. And and the idea of hearing... As this is this is fun as as we grow older, my wife and I, uh, one of our favorite phrases now is, "What'd you say?" Uh, she'll go, "Was I mumbling again? You must have been, because I didn't hear it." Now, I'm not getting deaf. I know I know that you know, and and so uh, we're going to have fun and hopefully keep a good attitude as we get old and deaf together. Uh, But there's an idea of hearing things, but the hearing that's talked about in Romans chapter 10 has an understanding attached to it. Amen? Has a change. And you've got to use the Word of God. John chapter 20, verse 31. Let's turn there quickly and let's just read this verse together. John chapter 20. This is John's summation of, of really of his book, verse 30 and 31 here. Of John chapter 20 says, In many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you might have life through his name. I, I want to challenge you. The purpose of the Bible 
is to help people understand who Jesus is that they might believe on the Jesus of the Bible and not some imitation offered by a church or a cult or an ism or a schism. I I mean, I I get so uh, frustrated and angry sometimes as I think about the quote-unquote Jesuses that these different cults and groups offer. Uh, None makes me more angry than Sung Young Moon. It was a Jesus who failed at his ministry and appealed to a guy so ignorant that he can't even do his own taxes to straighten everything out. Now, does that that Jesus appeal to you at all? It doesn't to me. Because the Jesus of Sung Young Moon is not the Jesus of the Bible. Same name, but how many of you remember what Jesus said? He said, there are many, many false Christs. And when you reject what the Bible says about the true Christ, I'll tell you, there is no limit to how far and how nuts you will get before the end comes. How about those people that followed Mr., what was his name, Applewaith? How many of you remember that years ago where they took plastic bags and sealed them over their head with purple bandanas and committed suicide? Nine people all together at the same time because the mothership was going to was circling over Southern California. And if they all committed suicide together, they would be translated to the mothership. Well, they got translated all right to an eternity without God. Because they were lied to. And they chose to believe the lies rather than the truth. If you're going to witness to people, you've got to use this book. If you don't have the Romans Road memorized, shame on you. That's not hard to do. Put those verses in your mind so that anywhere you can start with Romans 3.20. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you can add Romans 5.8 and Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but God, Romans 5.8, but God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Is, is that so hard? I mean, I will admit it's a whole lot easier for me because I have shared those verses so many times that I have memorized them By using them. That wouldn't be a bad thing now, would it? But the Bible is not the only thing that God has given us. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, if you're still in John chapter 20, it's just a few pages. Acts chapter 4, verse 20. And, uh, Leland, I don't think I'm going to make it without a cup of water. If you wouldn't 
mind getting one of those, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 20, the apostles are brought in before the Pharisees, and, and they are being questioned and judged for their testimony of Jesus Christ. And verse 20, Peter and John are answering him, and them, and they're saying, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. He said, we, we cannot speak the things, but that which we have seen and heard. You know, one, it's one thing to use the Bible, and we need to use the Bible. But the Bible was meant not as a theological book in circles to argue about. It is a manual of practical Christian living. And so the question I want to ask you is what have you seen and heard? What has Jesus done in your life since you got saved? What testimony do you personally have that you could share with someone proving that what Jesus said in the Bible is true in the way that you live your life? That's how the apostles witnessed. Now, I'll challenge you, this one didn't go very well. How many are you with me on that one? Uh, uh, they were before the very men that were physically responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It was what we would say a most hostile audience. And, and yet Peter and John look at them and, and say, you have to answer this question while we stand in judgment before you today. Is it better that we obey you or obey God? Who should we obey? Because we cannot do both. And then they said, we cannot, I mean, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They said, listen, we're only telling you that which changed our lives. And if Peter, James, and John had some things to change in their lives, let me tell you, Jesus did a work, didn't he? What was, the, what was their final uh, summation of the whole thing, the Pharisees and the scribes and the priests and the educated crown, it said they took notice of them. They said, man, that, that Jesus did something in the lives of these guys. These were uh, hayseed hicks from, this, uh, from way out beyond. They didn't have any of the real education and all of these things, and yet they're arguing with us and we have everything What? This shouldn't be. This Jesus, he must have had some kind of influence on them. Shouldn't that be true in my life and in your life? Sometimes we get accused of just being so overwhelmed with circumstances of life that we have nothing left to share with anyone else. And that ought not be the testimony of a Christian. 
We say amen to that. We we need to pray about this. Here's Philippians four nine. Let's go there. Book of Philippians. Chapter four. Verse nine. The Apostle Paul is speaking. And he is summing up everything to the, the Philippian church there. And he says in verse 9, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Now, we do understand that the Apostle Paul is under the influence of the Holy Spirit and that he had been personally trained by the Lord Jesus Christ and that he had a mission to do and he was writing the Scriptures. But he was giving a challenge to the Philippians. He said, those things that you... Now, let's get the list right here. Learned, received, heard, and seen. Now, learned, that's sharing the gospel. Any. Amen? Received, that's when you get saved. Right? Heard and seen. Paul said, I want you to imitate my life, and if you will, the God of peace is going to be with you. Boy, that's, that's a pretty incredible promise now, isn't it? But let me ask you, to think about this, shouldn't that verse be true of your life and my life as well? If we're going to witness to people, shouldn't we be able to prove that living for Jesus is far superior than living for the world and living for yourself? I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, my life, I can't. I couldn't imagine anything so good as what God has given. Somebody says, you're crazy. Yeah, it's great. I challenge you to enjoy it. Somebody, somebody said, well, what do you do with all them kids? Oh, now we're shipping them out. I mean, the house seems empty now. We've only got uh, five at home. What are we going to do? I don't know. Make the table smaller, Amen. Uh, and the food bill's cheaper. I'm not complaining. Uh, but let, let me tell you something. I've had people actually say, I, I don't want my kids to go to Bible college and, and do those things because uh, I want them to make something out of their lives. And, uh, and I'm going, What? What more could you make out of your life than to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? Hello? I had a family member try that on me many years ago now. There's a part of me that'd like to go back and look him up and say, Hey, whose life do you want, yours or mine? Three or four wives. If there are any children, they're not got the right last name. I mean, you talk about a mess. 
There's a mess. Jesus has done some one. Every good thing in my life is because of Jesus Christ. And it's time that we stop apologizing to the world because I'm missing out on the season premiere of Divorce Court. And because I'm missing out on all of the problems and all of the pressures that they have. Uh, uh, some of you remember Ted and Sharon Mansoor, Julia's sister and her husband. He said, one of the things that attracted me to this church, he said, he said, I got to meet your family. He said, it was like Little House on the Prairie. He said, it wasn't like the city at all. I said, you don't have to have all the pressures of the city in your home if it's centered around the Lord Jesus Christ. What did Nehemiah tell the children of Israel? It was the what? What was their strength? Hello? Can you say it out loud? The joy of the Lord. And I think I could stand in line and say circumstances are sometimes overwhelming. Things are rather heavy and the burdens of this life are rather distracting. But it's time for us to understand that if we're going to be able to witness to this world, we, we need to be able to prove to them that life in Jesus is a whole lot better than what they got. Can we say amen to that? Turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. We've got to keep moving here. We're almost halfway through the sermon. 1 John chapter 1. Verse 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Can I challenge you? We have no new message. The world does. Do you know that the purpose-driven life is a new message? It has never been practiced that way before, before Rick Warren wrote his book. The things that are in that book are practiced by other religions for sure. I mean, the idea of telling your God what you want and what you want to be over and over again until He makes you those things and gives you those things, that's nothing new. The Buddhists have been doing it uh, hundreds of years before Christ was born. But that's not Bible. Our message is a whole lot older than that. Our message is in the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. Can we say amen to that? Our message is for God so loved the world. John said, 
It's my message. I've seen it. I've handled it. I heard Jesus speak with my own ears. Now, let's look at verse 3 of that same chapter here. It says, That which we have seen and heard and declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I'm glad to tell you that I have never watched an episode of Cheers. One of the most popular TV shows many years ago. Some of you probably never even heard of it. But one of the lines in that song says, I want to go someplace where everybody knows my name. It was all about a bar. You know what? I can go someplace everybody knows my name. It's called Open Door Bible Baptist Church. People say, where's the pastor? Right there's the pastor. See, everybody knows my name. And I don't have to get drunk as a skunk to enjoy it. Amen? And listen, our fellowship, if you want encouragement along the way, you're going to find it through the testimony of salvation in Jesus Christ and serving Him in His church. There's no new message. There's no new innovations that, that we are striving for. But here's the question. Number one is, how well do you know this book? If you're going to, if you're going to testify to others about Jesus, you've got to get to know this book. Number two, what is in your story? What events are in your life story that prove the Bible is true? If you have problems thinking about that, then I'll tell you what your prayer at the invitation time ought to be. Lord, I need some things in my life that will prove to others that serving Jesus is better than living in the world. I believe Jesus will answer that prayer, don't you? Because that is part of witnessing to other people. And our fellowship is not based upon dropping who and what we are and trying to, well, we'll just agree to disagree. Our fellowship is based on our agreement. Our fellowship is based upon Jesus that saved us. By the way, that's why you have to put up with me as your pastor. Because the Holy Spirit will help you if you'll let Him. Not everybody's been able to do that over the years. But let me tell you something. When we're serving the same Jesus, He'll put us together in His church and allow us to serve Him together. And if that's not happening, it's because Jesus isn't doing the work. That's all there is to it. And that's one of the reasons you need to pray for your preacher. And that's one of the reasons I pray for our church. Because our fellowship is based upon the testimony of Jesus Christ and we can take that fellowship out to the world. I've had some 
I've actually had a few people. There's been a few over the years. I'm glad it's only a handful. It says, you know, your church isn't very friendly. I said, well, when you come ten minutes after the service starts and you leave five minutes before it ends, you're going to find it unfriendly. But we have people that hang around and I'm turning out the lights saying, we'll see you later. Uh, because they're fellowshipping. And if you stick around and get to know some people, you'll have some of the best friends a person could have right here in our church. Can we say amen to that? And it's not because of some program that we're planned. I, I was actually in a church where the preacher came and he said, now we are going to become the friendly church. We're going to we're going to start loving one another. And, and, and he said, now, if you can't, he said, just pretend. But that's what we're going to do. And I'm going, that's not gospel. That's not. That's salesmanship. We don't need that. What we need is if you love Jesus and I love Jesus, we can't help but love each other. That's what John's saying here in First John chapter 1. We've got to keep moving here. Turn with me, if you would. To Titus chapter 1. You see, we have a message. We have the Word of God. You ought to have a story. A testimony that's personal about you and what God has done in your life. Let's start reading in verse 1 of chapter 1 of the book of Titus. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle, and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world again, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. How many of you remember the campaign slogan, Hope and Change? Anybody remember that? My little take was I was hoping that there'd be at least the change left. But as I stick my hand in my pocket this morning, there's nothing there but my pocket knife. There's no change left. It's, uh, they took it all. I'll tell you, anyone foolish enough to hope in government for any kind of help deserves what they get. My hope, we sang the song today. Andrew didn't even look at my outline. My hope is in the Lord. I have a hope. I have a hope that the IRS can't tax, that the CIA and the FBI can't lie about or falsely uh, bring up evidence against. I have something that destroyed the communists in Russia and brought down the Iron Curtain. I have a hope that Jesus has given me eternal life. And I'll I'll tell you... uh, I'm preaching to myself this morning. There's, I get thinking of all that work that has to be done at Union. And we just got done fixing uh, this wall over here. And we're, we're glad that wall is fixed. But you know what? There's a lot that we didn't do. 
We painted the outside of one frame and it looked so good. Now we've got to paint the other three. And uh, don't look too close because we painted the inside of part of one and we've got to paint the inside of all four yet. And, and there's still some broken pieces of glass that have to be replaced. And I'm sitting there going, and drains that need to be cleaned out and holes that need to be patched in the ceiling before the middle of October. And, and um, we just got that grant, so we're praising the Lord for that. But uh, we actually got a sidewalk shed that our neighbor put up. Save us $30,000 if we can get the brickwork done now. And the guy will rent us the shed for only $350 a month, which is a steal. We paid $750 a month for the one that we rented before. So, And it's already there. But I'll tell you what, if your mind's not spinning, I'll tell you mine is. Because all the work is attached to those things. But... I got to stop thinking about all those things that need to be done. Remember that my real hope is not in this life, but it's in eternal life. Because how am I going to tell someone how good God is if my life isn't an example of hope in who Jesus Christ is? In hope of eternal life. Amen? But I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want you to start working and reading with me in verse 8. For we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we might be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. I'm sorry, in your consciences. Do you know what? You, you, if you have not, are not familiar with Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, if you've not sat down and read through that entire psalm, in one sitting, I would challenge you to, to make some time to do that. Because uh, almost every verse, with the exception of two verses, the Word of God, His laws, His statutes, His commandments are mentioned in that uh, we do not know it was not signed, but uh, certainly I believe that by the evidence of the text that is in there, that it is David's life testimony. You can follow the life of David and you can follow the different strophes or eight verse sections of that psalm. And you can see as David was raised up to very heights and then dashed and then up and down. You can follow David's life through that psalm. It's an amazing psalm. But see, we have hope in the judgment of God. Amen. 
You know, they say that Ronald Reagan was a great president because he made us feel great about being Americans. And if you're old enough to remember Ronald Reagan as president, that, that, that's a true statement. But you know, a lot of people felt great during the uh, time uh, terms of Bill Clinton. You know why people felt great under the terms of Bill Clinton? Because he proved you could get away with it. You see, it's not my job to straighten out Bill Clinton. I can let God take care of that. And all the other men that want to line up. How many of you laughed a little bit at our governor this week in his uh, faux pas? uh, As he said, America was never great. Oh, that's not what I meant. Oh, yes, it most certainly is. Because in your book, everything that made America great is evil. You've said so in your speeches. We have no problem recognizing that for what it is. But let me tell you, it's not my job to straighten out, Mr. Como. I am so thankful. That would be more than a lifetime just to get that thing straight. You know what my job is? To prepare to meet God myself. You see, I'm going to have to stand before him in judgment. You're going to have to stand before him. God's judgment is just. I don't have to worry about all of the inequities in this world. We, we have churches that are all caught up in social justice and making everything fair. You know, I hate that word. There is nothing fair. If Bill Gates is smart enough to figure that out, his first undeniable truth of life, life isn't fair. Because if it were, Bill Gates would be a nobody, just like everybody else. Uh, Listen, it has nothing to do with fairness. It has everything to do with holiness. And every one of us in this room have got an awful lot to answer for on our own accords. So we don't have time to run around judging everybody else. But I'll tell you what we want to do. We want to get as many people on the right side of that judgment as we can. Amen. You see, I have hope that God wants people to get saved. Amen. I have a hope that God wants people to be on the right side of judgment. It says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men... It's going to be a fearful thing to stand before God. But you know who's going to be standing in front of me when I stand before God? Jesus is. Because when He was on the cross, He paid for all my sins. Can we say amen to that? Can we rejoice in that fact? We have hope of eternal life because of Jesus. We have hope in the judgment of God. We don't need to be concerned about making things fair or making things right. God will do all of that. 
And if you go back to Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, it tells us that we have a blessed hope that Jesus is coming again. Amen. I might not get to finish this sermon. I wouldn't mind one little bit. You probably wouldn't either. Amen. He said, I can get right on the way up. Well, no, you won't have time to get right. That's what's for right now in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He gives us the promise of Jesus' imminent return. And how does it end that? It says, wherefore, comfort ye one another with these words. Even when I stand in the valley of the shadow of death, it's only a shadow. For someone that has trusted Jesus as their Savior because they have the hope of eternal life. And I know that I will see them again on the other side. Lastly, this morning, we have a message. It's printed in the Bible, the story of Jesus. But if you're going to be a witness, you need to have your own story. You need to personalize that testimony. Things that God has done in your life that you can prove that living for Jesus is exactly what the Bible says. But I have a hope that even when I fail and when things aren't the way that I would like them to be, this life isn't all that there is. I have eternal life with Jesus. When I stand in judgment, Jesus has already taken the judgment for my sins. And I can serve Him. And I can understand and I can use that judgment that is coming to help people understand their need to be on the right side. Jesus is coming back. I have a hope. The only thing I need to do now is seek for and pray for opportunities to talk to people about Jesus. You know, that doesn't always happen. It's not the normal thing to be able to talk to people about Jesus. Let me just read you a few verses here. First, 2 Thessalonians 3, 1, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Ephesians 6.20, For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Colossians 4.3, With all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I also, for which I am also in bonds. Paul prayed, asked people to pray for him to have opportunities to get out the gospel. When's the last time you prayed that God would give you an opportunity to share the gospel with someone else? You need to do it. Especially if you're one of the ones that made that promise that ask God, say, I'm going to ask God to bring me one purpose. Well, then one person to bring into the fellowship of this church and we better, better get praying about an opportunity. It's biblical. Paul did. Do I need to give you verses to prove that it's God's will that people should be saved? Is there anyone that would raise their hand and say, Pastor, I want you to prove that to me. I mean, that's what the whole Bible is about. Can we say amen to that? Does God want to use you personally to touch other people's lives with the gospel? 
do I need to get Bible verses to prove that point? Does God want us to live in joy and abundance of peace in this unpeaceful and wicked and war-torn world? Absolutely. It's time, we as Christians, you got a message? You don't if you don't know your Bible very well. What's happened in your life that you can tell and give personal testimony that the words of this book are livable? Are you living in hope or are you living in despair? Are you praying for opportunities to talk to people about their eternity? Pretty, pretty straightforward this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, as I was putting this sermon together, I was convicted and encouraged. And Lord, I pray that the same would be true of our people here this morning. And Lord, that we would be reminded that We did pray. Many of us prayed and asked that you would help us to bring one person into the fellowship of this church this year. Lord, we're running out of time. I ask you to help us look to you and your word and to affect the changes in our lives that need to be done so that we could be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, that we would allow the Holy Spirit to allow us to pray specifically for the parts of this message, maybe every part, that need to be changed in our personal lives so that we can be used of you to take the gospel to the world in which we live. Help us never to forget the missionaries and the church planners and those that are in other places, but Lord, we ask that you would make us faithful and joyful in our fulfillment of the Great Commission right here in our own neighborhood, in our own city. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as the hymn of invitation. It's not...